Welcome to Set for Stun. My name is Ron. And I'm Drew. And we're going to talk about everything from mouse droids to midichlorians. So strap in and get ready to make the jump to light speed. Star Wars came out on May 25th, 1977, and was unlike any movie that audiences had seen before. Most of the movies that people were going to see those days were more driven to basically mimic realism, and they wanted to make it seem like you were actually there and it was like real life and everything. So a lot of the movies that people were watching those days were movies like Jaws, Taxi Driver, The Godfather Part Two, Rocky, anything like that. And then Star Wars just came and basically swept everybody off of their feet with this new fantasy Star Wars or fantasy sci-fi style that just seemed to catch everybody by surprise. Yeah, another movie like that would not be out again until 79, which was the first Alien movie. But I definitely think that Star Wars pioneered the way for sci-fi movies and fantasy movies that we watch today. Not even just fantasy and sci-fi movies, but Star Wars kind of paved the way for the main part of like a lot of cinema after the fact because everybody just seemed to be copying a lot of uh, George Lucas's styles just because of how amazing his work was. One of the things that just makes Star Wars so beloved is the special effects. No one had seen anything like that in 1977. The the use of miniatures and puppets, everything was made from scratch to look realistic. It was honestly sometimes kind of terrifying, if I'm going to be frank. The original trilogy, trilogy, some of their, like, uh, what is it called, prosthetics, is that what they are in movies? I think that's what they're called. Yeah. Prosthetics and the, like their puppets and stuff. They were a little freaky looking. Like, oh, yeah. As a child, like they, some of them scared me. Like a lot of the aliens worried me. Well, George was going for a more realistic look. And he, in 1977, Industrial Light and Magic was formed. And it was headed by the effects designer John Dijkstra. And he constructed robots, spaceship models, all from scratch. And the Real goal. Robots? Was it real robots? No. Aww. <laughs> but their goal was to achieve a new higher level of realism that Lucas envisioned that just wasn't seen in movies of that time. Yeah, it, like Star Wars really paved the way for a lot of cinema because they just like tried so many new ideas out that nobody had done before. And it like really showed what you could do at that time with the technology limitations they had. And it was just incredible. All of the big scenes in space or even a lot, even some of the wider shots like in Moss Eisley showing off the Moss Eisley spaceport, the opening scene with the Star Destroyer uh, attacking the Tantive Four, all those were miniatures. See, one of my favorite things, I, 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 there's a lot of like pictures you can find of, if you look up like Attack of the Clone miniatures, you can find like pictures of the like the set piece for the the stadium where like the big fight happens in the movie and uh on the other side of it they also did um a lot of the backgrounds in the movies and stuff to make it look really realistic they would just have like a giant paint like hand painted painting in the back of the thing that they would take a picture of and have the whole movie in front of that so it would look like 
the the area that was behind the movie would extend for vast vast like areas like for very long ranges and it was incredible the way they would do it one of my favorite things uh, there's a very famous picture where it has one of the artists i don't know his actual name but it has one of the artists who painted the paintings painting uh one of the stormtroopers in like the row of rows and rows of stormtroopers inside of the death star Mm -hmm. with uh darth vader's like uh i don't remember what it's called but the shuttle ship and where it's like the shuttle ship is shitting, sitting out there. And uh, it, it's honestly one of my favorite things to look at because it's like just fascinating that anybody even had that idea at the time to be, oh, I'm going to put a painting in the back because that'll make it look bigger. So that actually reminds me in the throne room scene in A New Hope when they're entering through there and you see like all the different rebel soldiers kind of lined up. In the original cut of the film, the first soldiers that you see kind of on the left are actually cardboard cutouts. Are you, wait, really? Yeah. Okay, I, that, I didn't actually even know that. That's really interesting. And if you look back on it, like the resolution is poor, and you can definitely tell that it is. And George has updated it since then. I mean, the original trilogy has been tweaked and updated over the years yeah, probably like what editions. like two or three times oh, if there's not more like than multiple that. versions that have been edited and popped out like over and over again a new hope like in itself i think had like three different versions and it was like just crazy how many times they changed the movies mm-hmm. and i just think the overall idea of the special effects all the the armors and everything too for the stormtrooper, honestly, when I was a kid, the stormtroopers were my favorite. They're still some of my favorites now. I just, I don't know what it is about their look. It just looks really cool to me. I think, I think to me personally, the stormtroopers, like the coolness about them, is always like their their face. Like, the, yeah. it's just that like grimace they have on their their mask. It's so like they look so angry all the time, and they mm-hmm. look like troopers. And it's it's on I, the stormtroopers. Their design is one of my favorite things in Star Wars. But uh, me personally, my favorite uh, ever since I was a kid, and it definitely still is my favorite design, had to be Boba Fett, just because he's like so unique out of everybody else. Because at that time, their Mandalorians weren't really a thing. Oh no! And so that was just kind of I think. Um, I can't remember the exact thing, but Boba Fett was uh, meant to be like just a special type of stormtrooper and there was going to be multiple different suits for that uh like there was going to be multiple different people in that suit of armor and it was going to be completely white it wasn't going to be like the green with the cape and all that it was going to be completely white like a stormtrooper and there were going to be a ton of them and it was going to be like a different ranked stormtrooper but then uh I don't remember what happened. George had swapped the idea and decided he actually liked him better being his own sole character. And so he gave him like a new paint job and gave him all like the little dents and like the, mm-hmm. the battle damage and stuff. So there was like character to him. And then they, get, he, they gave him the cool backstory and all that. And it was just one of my favorite characters. So what's kind of cool about Boba Fett is to begin with, he wasn't going to be any kind of major thing. Like, he was just going to be just a bounty hunter as, like, just a fill-in character. Yeah. But because so many fans saw him in Empire Strikes Back and was like, holy crap, that dude looks cool. 
a big cult following just happened. Boba Fett is one of the most beloved characters in Star Wars. Yep. And from just Boba Fett and his armor, the entire Mandalorian race and even the whole new show, the Mandalorian show, would not have been a thing had Boba Fett not been as popular as he was. No, Boba Fett is definitely, like, in in my own opinion, one of the coolest characters that has ever come out of Star Wars. Like, just his demeanor and everything. I I, I personally, uh, Jango can go sit in a corner. Boba is ten times better than Jango. <laughs> yeah. I Back to the whole special effects thing, kind of talking about the puppets, Jim Henson worked a lot on Star Wars. Yoda was actually a Jim Henson puppet, and yep. I... I don't know. It's just I've seen Yoda in some of the newer films, and it's the CGI, and it's just the magic's not the Yoda same. Yoda in the newer films is see. I think he they do like a mix of CGI and puppetry with the new Yoda, but there's just like something with his face that they've done, and he just looks ugly, and it's just he, he is not pretty to look at. Yeah, I could see that. I enjoy how some of the newer shows are going back to the practical effects and you like Grogu yeah baby Yoda baby for some Yoda. people who don't know but he isn't CGI he's uh, animatronic yeah, he's or a puppet anima- like I've, I've actually seen it was really funny there's a clip where Pedro Pascal it was like behind the scenes where Pedro Pascal had his like guitar on like the set and they were just mm-hmm. kind of like off the sides not filming and he was like had his helmet off but he was still in like the Beskar Mandalorian suit and he had someone was puppeting Grogu like standing next to him and Grogu was like dancing while Pedro was playing the guitar and it was just so nice that is cute but I, that's what that's why I love that uh, Dave Filoni and them are starting to go back to like the actual like live action like yeah. no CGI stuff. Like there's light so CGI used. Yeah, there's obviously, different, obviously because in you kind of have stuff. to in this new age, really. Yeah. Otherwise, people will complain. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about how the lightsaber effect was done in the original movies. And it was actually largely achieved by coating a thin wooden tube with reflective material that was made out of a movie screen and shining bright spotlights onto it in order to make it appear fluorescent. Then they used film filters in post-production to make that effect seem substantially more pronounced and to add coloring. I just, it's crazy the amount of ingenuity used to create the effects because it had never really been done before. Do Do you think on the credit roll... Like, at the end of the movie, do you think on the credits they actually credited the guy who held the spotlight? Because I really would love to meet the guy who had that job. Probably. I, I Just sitting there the entire time they're filming, just like, Woo! Lightsaber! <laughs> and th- that's just funny to me. But um, the, one of my favorite, like, aspects to, like, go along with the lightsaber, like, the creation of it, is uh, there was, like, a guy. Like, they, they would pay an artist to go through each individual frame of the scenes and then he would like sketch out and like draw and paint the entire like lightsaber light like from each individual frame back and forth and that's why like in the movie you can kind of see like how jumpy the lightsaber is whenever Luke like waves it around or anything like that and I just think like the amount of dedication that it takes to sit there and do that for as long I, I there's probably so many frames just oh, yeah. in a new hope of lightsaber that wh- I I think it was one guy. I may be wrong, but I think it was one it guy. It could have been multiple. I, but it probably 
to just in a practical sense, it was probably multiple people, but I'm going to say it was one guy. So if, to that one guy, you go, man. <laughs> I think it's interesting. On that note, you can actually see, I believe it's in A New Hope, the fight with Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. You can actually kind of see Obi-Wan's lightsaber be a little bit bended, like bent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not perfectly straight because I guess they they were drawing it on there. There's actually bits in uh, A New Hope where you can see, like, if you look close enough. I, I don't I don't remember if it's on. It's either on Luke or it's on Obi Wan. But there's like a scene where you can actually see a wire coming out of one of their sleeves and going into the bottom of the lightsaber because they had this like massive battery pack Mm -hmm. that was strapped onto them under it that was powering the lightsaber that they had to sit there and hold. And I just – thinking about that like now if someone had to do that in a movie and had to hold this heavy just like beam – and just sit there and wave it around for about 30 minutes, I would hate that. Like, I would genuinely hate that. But nowadays, you just, all they have to do is have a little stick, and then everybody, somebody, some dude goes on a computer and edits it, and that's yeah. it. So on that note, with them having the wire coming out, that actually is interesting because if you compare the lightsaber fighting to the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy yeah, it's you, vastly you can different see how like simplistic the original one yeah. was i also believe that lucas's vision for the lightsaber during the original trilogy was that it was supposed to be heavy yeah so they made it was more of a two they wanted it weapon. to feel more like a sword yeah it, and i honestly i kind of like that because like it, it like it, I, I like both ways to look at it because obviously it's a laser. It's not going to weigh anything. But at the same time, in my head, if I'm swinging a sword, I want it to be heavy. Yeah. I don't want it to I be weightless. Whoa, look at the time. I'm running late to meet somebody for some power converters over at Tashi Station. I'm Ron. And I'm Drew. And we'll see you next time on Set for Stun. May, May the, the force, force be with you. you.